Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the great mercies of God, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Alleluia. Let us join together in worshiping our God by singing hymn number 308, if you have a hymnal. Otherwise, hopefully you received that in the email uh, sent out yesterday. Oh, sing a song of Bethlehem. Let's join together.
Andrea, and thank you, Arthur, for that leadership in song and hymn. Uh, kind of, whenever I hear that hymn, I think, gosh, isn't that a, a Christmas song? But then the second verse moves on to with the rest of his life, and so obviously it's a song that recognizes Jesus' incarnation through his crucifixion and resurrection. Let us pray. Loving God, we are so grateful that you love us so much that you sent your son into the world to die in our place. And we thank you that by believing in him, we have salvation. We have a, a reconciled relationship with you. So we thank you for that. And we have come here to worship you and to uh, sing praises to you, whether we're sitting in our living room at home or standing in this sanctuary here, wherever we are, we are worshiping you wherever we are. The church is. And so we give you thanks for your presence with us wherever we are. Lord, we adore you. We love you. We sing praise to you. We want to bless you. And so may this service this morning be a blessing to you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, a couple of announcements uh, before we continue our worship together. First of all, um, my name is Lance Allen. I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church. If you happen to upon us uh, this Sunday, we certainly welcome you. Uh, we invite you to connect with our connection card there. Uh, I want to say thank you to those people who did that last week. Also want to give a shout out a couple of my former couples who I officiated at their weddings. Uh, they connected with us last week. So David and Raquel, hello. And James and Judy, hello. Uh, so good to see you guys here on the, <laughs> the live stream. Um, today, immediately following the worship service, we're going to have a Zoom fellowship time. Uh, I know if you're anything like me, you miss the time when we go out into the gallery and we share cookies or donuts or whatever anybody has brought, and coffee, tea, and lemonade, whatever, and we are able to stand and talk with each other and uh, reconnect after the week. So I want to encourage you today, the Zoom meeting, uh, in a moment I will put the Zoom link in the in the uh, thread here next to this so you'll be able to go to our Zoom meeting immediately following the worship service. We I sent an email with that Zoom link yesterday as well, so you can check your email for that. Um, so that's first. Secondly, I'm going to be doing some prayer after the message today. Carlos, uh, our intern, is going to be doing the message. I'm excited to have him bring God's word to us, and he'll be doing that message, but I will be doing the prayer, and I want to do an actual prayer of the people, so if you have something that you would like me to be praying for and us as a congregation to be praying for, I would invite you to put that prayer request in the thread, and I will include that in my prayer this morning. Uh, next Sunday is the first Sunday in August, so be prepared to remind us if it's your birthday in August or if you have an anniversary in August, and also be prepared to take communion. So we will have, uh, celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper at that time next Sunday. And then immediately following uh, that service, 
on Sunday. Well, at 11.30, there will be a special uh, Zoom meeting for our families with youth and adults uh, and Xander. And so he wanted to do a parent uh, connect meeting with the parents and uh, young people of our church. So I encourage you, he'll be sending out the Zoom uh, link for that. And I encourage you to participate in that if you are in the youth group or a parent of a youth member. And speaking of youth, I am very excited. Uh, not that Xander's youth, uh, he's an old guy, but uh, he'll be leading us in some worship music now. So thank you, Xander, for being here. And uh, we look forward to having you worship and lead us in worship. Amen. God, thank you so much. As we worship you, from the comfort of our own home, wherever we are, we ask that God, your spirit, be with us in this time. For I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. For I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. My guitar fell off. Cut. <laughs> Thank you, God. Um, things happen, and I just got done talking about it. <laughs> if you're watching from home, things happen. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> Right from the chorus. God is still kind to God me. is still good. All the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love, God. All the chases me down, fights to our families. Night and night, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away.
No shout, you won't lie. No shout, you won't lie.
today would have been my last day of the internship, and it, and it marks the official end, but I've enjoyed my time here so much uh, that I'm going to be sticking around for another couple of weeks. So I think that's a testament to just how powerful and just how loving you all are, and just how much you've taught me. So uh, to you all watching, and to you all who will watch later, I say thank you. Now church, if you don't mind, I'm going to open us uh, in a word of prayer. Almighty God, you are creator of heaven and earth. You are creator of all things and all things good. And we thank you for that. And we worship you and glorify you and praise you for that as well. Lord, as the psalmist says in Psalm 19, uh, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The reading of scripture this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Luke 24, 44 through 49. You'd like to turn there with me. Again, Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. Hear the word of our Lord. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And see, I am standing upon you with my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Church, I'd like to open today's sermon with a question. A rhetorical question that I want you to briefly ponder in your heart. And that is, how has your faith impacted you? How has your faith impacted you? This is obviously a question that, for many of us, would require a pretty significant chunk of time as we position ourselves to really think about the ways in which our faith has impacted us. The many ways it's impacted our life, our views, our beliefs, our habits, our thoughts, our actions, our relationships. And I'm sure we can all agree that at some point, we've experienced something that has caused us to see that our faith has had a substantial impact on us and the general course of our lives. Positively, of course. Now, I want to follow uh, with asking an additional question. And this question, accompanied by those that will ensue it, 
are really going to get at what I want us to focus our attention on here this morning. And so I ask, who and what played a primary and foremost role in you being able to enter into your faith in the first place? In you being able to join in the family of faith, who and what? Here's a hint. The answer is most definitely God. But I want us to kind of think otherwise. I want us to think more in terms of the vessels and the means that God used to accomplish this. So again, who and what contributed to your life's inauguration of Christian faith? And I'll give you a second to think about that. Who and what helped you come to the faith? Are you recalling a stirring sermon that changed the direction of your life? If so, think back a little further. Are you thinking about the first time you came to church and the impression it left on you? If so, think back a little further. Are you thinking about that worship song that brought your heart to its knees and allowed you to experience the Holy Spirit for the first time, marking the onset of your journey of faith? If so, think back a little further. Are you now thinking about a conversation with a friend that led you to go and see what this whole church thing is all about? Are you thinking about a testimony that you heard that opened up your eyes and gave you this divine conviction to embrace a relationship with Jesus Christ? This may be the term generational faith come to mind, causing you to remember the Christian disposition your parents always seemed to have and how that faith was passed down shared to you. In sum, are you thinking about a time when someone, in some way, shared their faith with you? If you are, you're on the right track. Now, whomever and in whatever situation it is that you're thinking of at this very moment, I want you to consider Did it happen beyond these walls? And if at the infant stages of your faith you became a Christian at another church, at another parish before you became a member at FPCSA, I posit the same question. Did it happen beyond those walls? I understand the case for everyone may be different, but for most of you, if you, trace, if you trace things back far enough, I'm willing to bet that the answer is yes. That you can think of a time where someone, some way, somehow, beyond these walls, shared their faith with you. 
And if you think about it, that's ultimately the reason why you're watching this live stream here today. For me, it was my mom. Though not the most devout of Christians at the time, my mom shared her sparse experience of faith up until that point with my family, desperate to alter the direction in which my dad's sisters and own life were potentially headed, desperate to disassociate ourselves with gang culture, alcohol abuse, the party scene, hopelessness. And although my family's transformation and induction to faith was gradual, looking back now, I'm able to identify my mom and her boldness to share what she knew of her faith as the primary source for why my family is where we're at today. I mean, just look at me. I was emotional writing this portion of the sermon because I realized without her, and without her witness to what living a life devoted to God was like, I wouldn't be here right now. In truth, I actually have no idea where I would be had it not been for my mom. And I'm grateful for that. But you see, in that instance, by my mom's witness, and in each of those things that we thought of, the church's mission is seen to have life. The church, as we experienced, was functioning to fulfill its purpose. The church was extended beyond its walls. And if we're honest with ourselves, unfortunately, that's probably something we're not seeing much of today. Think about it especially in light of our own doing, or lack thereof. The capital C church, the church today, seems to have lost sight of the importance of sharing its faith. And I know, and I hope that for many of you, individually, I'm wrong. But as a collective, as the church, it's fallen each of our shoulders. And so this morning, I want us to dive in and explicate this matter a little further, because it's something that I believe many of us, including myself admittedly, tend to overlook. Being a witness. Being a witness church. Being a witness. <laughs> I get it. Believe me, for many of us, hearing those words might make us a little uncomfortable. Being a witness. They might even intimidate us just a little bit, right? I understand. And I've got to say too, being a witness is not my favorite topic to grapple with let alone preach on it. <laughs> Why? Well, to be honest, I haven't shared my faith much, if at all, in the past few years. So this sermon is very much for me as it might be for you. 
You see, I'm always catching myself in the church doing ministry, my head buried in the Bible, trying to learn, writing a theological paper for class, praying, fasting, whatever the case may be, I'm always catching myself doing something as a result of my witness to faith. Yet, nothing. For the reason I'm called a witness at all. And I think it's a difficult matter to deal with because despite our feelings, fears, or concerns in light of this, Jesus has called each and every last one of us to be a witness. Be my witnesses. There's no way of getting around it. It lies at the center of the great command and the great commission to love God, love people, and to go forth and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey the commands of Christ. In fact, in the passage of Scripture we heard read today, Jesus states just that, beginning of verse 46. Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the, from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Plain and simple. Here, we see the underlying foundational principle of that which brought us into our own faith. And that which we are to carry on. The gospel, the proclamation of good news. Here we see what it means to be Christ's witnesses. But it's interesting. There's more than what meets the eye here. We're going to think deeper about what it means to be a witness. For instance, according to the author of this passage, whom we are told at the beginning of this gospel account is Luke, Jesus doesn't say you are hearers of these things. He doesn't say you are seers of these things. Nor does he say you are experiencers of these things. <laughs> That's even a word. Instead, Jesus says you are witnesses of these things. The diction or word choice here is very important to take into consideration. Witness. What exactly does that mean? In preparation for this sermon, I asked myself this very question. So I decided to look at the Greek and found that the original word we translate to mean witness is martus. Say it with me. Martus. 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 Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, we'll get into that in just a moment. But see, there are, in essence, three tenors in which martus, martus, is used throughout the scriptures. The first is in a judicial sense, in a legal sense. Just like you would think in the context of a courthouse, martus in this way epitomizes being a witness as someone who testifies for or against someone or something. Someone who is designated for the task of advocating or championing a certain position a given subject. Witness, in the judicial sense then, refers to an advocate. The second is more so uh, a 
historical sense. If you think about it, the original disciples, the original apostles, were there to actually experience these events. They actually knew Jesus. They were first-hand witnesses to all that he did and all that he was. Being a witness in this regard meant using their experience of Jesus to communicate Jesus. The third and last sentence can be captured in what it means to be a true martyr. Remember, martus, martus. Sounds a lot like martyr, doesn't it? It does. It's actually the same word used here. I want us to approach this particular tenor, though, with caution. I know for many of us, when we hear martyr, we think about someone who has died for the faith, and that's 100% accurate. However, subconsciously, when we hear the word, our minds might have the tendency to go to things like honor, dignity, strength, and heroics. And although these things are fittingly representative and descriptive of the many martyrs throughout time, I think the, imp the implications martyr has for being a witness are different. For instance, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen the martyr, the first Christian martyr, is called a witness. If you look at how and why he died, you'll understand what it means to be a witness in this context. Being a witness in this sense means we are to experience rejection Excuse me, we are to expect rejection. We are to expect the gospel to divide more than it might unite. We are to expect disapproval from others. Modern day martyrs all across the world experience death for reasons such as these. Even now, at this very moment. And although we're privileged, we're privileged with living in a free country such as this, the United States of America. It's expected of us as witnesses to live up to that same caliber. This is one of the many reasons we might feel being a witness is so hard, amongst others. Nonetheless, being a Christian is hard. It's a difficult life to lead. Although there's a lot we feel is charming, appealing, and delightful about our faith, there's a lot that's tough to, to wrap our minds around. A lot that's tough to do, and conversely, not do. Our faith might not be as attractive as we think, especially on the surface. Many people struggle with reconciling the notion that God can, at the same time, be all loving, all embracing, and totally good, while being convicting, judgmental, and wrathful. But as we see throughout the Bible, these seemingly contrasting characteristics go hand in hand with one another. God's perfect love is comprised of these things because just as a good parent loves their child, God seeks to discipline us through punishment and correction so that we may become more mature and able to live into our calling as one of God's own. I'm sure for many of you, your faith testifies to just that, and so much more. 
which is why we should share it, right? There's no debate in acknowledging our world has always been in need of a Savior. In need of Jesus. And we're called witnesses for exactly this and exactly why. The call for repentance, the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins, the making of disciples, just as we heard. And I would even add, for healing. At a unique point in time of human history, we're finding ourselves still amidst a pandemic, a global disease that spread and caused not only our country, but at one time the entire world to shut down. We saw jobs be lost, the economy crash, families fight, mental illnesses worsen, domestic violence heightened, racial injustice abound, immorality exposed, exposed, death counts spiked, and I'm sure so much more than what came to mind for me when I wrote this. Our country, nay, our world, needs healing. Our world needs change. Our world needs forgiveness. Our world needs love. Our world needs Jesus. And in order for it to have Jesus, there comes the need for the church to be the church beyond these walls. There comes the need for witnesses. And just as the word Marthus intimated, we need to be witnesses by advocating and championing the impact God has made on us through our faith, communicating God and God's character through our faith's experience of Him, His power, His doings, and our own lifestyle. And to do so without holding back. To do so in boldness and in courage, without fear or concern. Because we know, firsthand, how deep and meaningful our faith is. We're witnesses of it. And so if there's one thing you take away from all this, let it be this. Go on ahead and share your faith. Be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Don't see it as some kind of leader task you have to fulfill. Oh no, I haven't met my quota uh, of people to witness to this month. No. But see it simply as a command you adhere to whenever God brings along the opportunity. And don't feel as if you're doing so to convert everyone you come into contact with. Please don't feel that way. That's beyond my capability and me. Our job is simply to plant the seed so that the Holy Spirit can grow it. After all, that's what Luke was referring to at the end of our scripture reading earlier. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit will finish what we start. And before I close this message, church, there's one last thing I'd like to address. Address. I know at least one of you is probably thinking something like this. Well, Carlos, I hear you. I agree that the church current generations in it seem to be sharing their faith less and less. And I agree 
the reasons you gave for us to be witnesses are valid. But in terms of what you did with the whole Martus thing, and how that can inform our sharing of faith as witnesses, I think you forgot something. Or at least didn't emphasize it enough. And that's what the great St. Francis of Assisi said. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I wish I could see face reactions right now. If that sounds anything like you, though, I want you to know this. For so long, that's what I told myself when hearing about sharing my faith, evangelism, anything remotely close to what we discussed today. And I agree with it. I do. In fact, I think that's part of the whole communicating Christ uh, piece I touched on just moments ago. But as we've seen, being a witness includes more than what we can accomplish without words. So in response to this, I leave you with a charge in the words of the Apostle Paul. How then can they call the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have, they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Church, be a witness just as someone was a witness unto you. Shalom. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord your God. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos. And now we're going to take our offering. And again, we thank you so much for those that continue to support the ministry here in the heart of Orange County. And Andrea is going to lead us in an offertory. If you would like to go online to the online giving platform, we encourage you to do that at this time. Otherwise, enjoy the song that Andrea will present at this time.
young man, Carlos Acosta, who you have sent to this place to share your word with us. We ask a special blessing on him as he goes back to seminary to begin studies again. Continue to shape him and mold him to be the person that you have created him to be and to do and say the things that you have created him to do and say. Lord, we we're reminded this morning of this world in which we live. This world is topsy-turvy, upside down, crazy. We're all struggling with all that's going on at this time. Many of us feel isolated in a way we have never felt isolated before. Many of us feel disconnected. Many of us feel fearful 
just to go into public for fear of catching a virus. Many of us are angry by the things we see in the news, the injustices that we see there. Our society is divided, not only here in the United States, but throughout the world, Lord God. We pray that this would be a time of revival for the church. We pray that as people are feeling disconnected and divided, that you would draw people to yourself. We pray that your spirit would descend upon this world. We pray that people would be drawn to you through these crises. Lord God, as Carlos reminded us, we are so thankful for the people that have brought us to you. We remember them in our hearts now, and we give you thanks for them. And Lord, we recognize that we are to be those people now. So help us not to seal the deal, but to plant the seeds. Not to force people or manipulate people into the kingdom, but to love them and invite them to you. Lord, at this time we are mindful of our nation going through difficult times, but especially today as there's a memorial service for our civil servant, John Lewis. So we ask that you would surround that family with love and care. May his life be a testimony to what needs to happen within our country to bring reconciliation to recognize what can happen here in these United States so that we can love people who are different from us, people who have different backgrounds, different colors of skin, different likes and dislikes, and yet we can be one family through the power of your spirit. Help us to share that kind of love. And even as we look next week into studying what it looks like to be the family of God. Help us to be that to each other. Lord, we pray for our church family and for those who are struggling especially. We pray for healing. We pray for financial healing and stability. We pray for emotional healing. We pray for strength, safety, and security. Pray these things in your holy name. Amen. So we're going to finish up by singing an old hymn that's not in our blue Presbyterian hymnals, but I love it. It's in our old red hymnals, and uh, it's titled, I Love to Tell the Story. Seems appropriate for this morning as we talk about what it means to be Jesus' witnesses in the world. So let's sing that together if you have that hymn with you. And uh, if you're at home, I invite you to sing along with us.
all the world and preach my gospel to every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And I encourage you, once the prelude is over, to join us in our Zoom meeting. Uh, and the password is FPCP.